This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. All right, Seattle leading Vegas 2-1 with seven minutes left in the first period. Also in the first, Red Wings up 1-0 on the Coyotes. No score, Islanders and Columbus. No score, Devils and Sabres. Two early goals by the Lightning, Point and Kalorn. And they lead the Blues 2-0. The game is not even five minutes old. Earlier, the Flames shut out 3-0 by the Capitals. Maple Leafs beat the Wild 4-3. Canadians get by the Blackhawks 3-2 in a shootout. Canadians are quite a story this season. They're 11-9-1. Bruins win their 12th straight home game to start the season. That's an NHL record, a 3-2 decision uh, in overtime against Carolina. Senators ring up the Ducks 5-1. Penguins and Flyers. Penguins win at 4-1. The Avalanche and the Predators have been postponed. And the Predators home game tomorrow also postponed because of a uh, water main break at the uh, Predators arena. So they're not going to be able to play their two home games this uh, this weekend. Oil Kings trailing Swift Current one zip. That's with five minutes left in the first period. Of course, your Edmonton Oilers practicing today. Philip Broberg joining the team. He's been called up. Marcus Nameline and sent down. And Broberg is expected to play tomorrow against the New York Rangers. And I am pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, a former New York Ranger, now a broadcast with the MSG broadcaster with the MSG radio network. Always love having him on the show. It's Dave Maloney checking in. Dave, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Doing well, Reed. How are you doing? I am doing very well. Always, uh, I, I always look forward to our chats. Pretty much twice a year. Uh, we we yeah. missed that one year where they they, they didn't play, yeah. but uh, it's always a pleasure right. to have you All on right. the show. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks um, for having me. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you. Before we talk about the Rangers stuff, I, I want to ask you about a, a player that, mm-hmm. that you would have gone up against, um, and mm-hmm. uh, he was kind of in the spotlight in Toronto a couple weeks ago, an outstanding career. Unfortunately, we lost Borea Salming. Um, I just wonder if you have any you know, perspective on Borea or in, any memories of uh, going up against him. Well, the perspective on him really, um, I know it's, it's it'll now become even more public, but he was really the one of the first great Swedes that came to play in the National League. And the league was slowly evolving uh, with taking a look at the European um, players. And I had the absolute pleasure of playing with uh, Anders Hedberg and Ulf Nielsen. And although I didn't know Borja Salming, I I do know the beating that um, Anders and Ulf took, particularly in the world hockey. And I'm sure those in Edmonton have probably bittersweet memories of the Winnipeg-Edmonton battles in the days of the world hockey when Bobby Hall was on the wing. And, and to me, Salming, he was an elegant, elegant uh, player and, and and took all kinds of abuse. You know, he came in in 73, 74, I think. So that was right in that, you know, the Bruins had just kind of turned, you know, the Canadians were 
uh, you know, always the kind of flash in the league. And then the Bruins became the big bad Bruins. Then the Flyers took it to the next level. And so Borea was right in that wheelhouse where the league was didn't have a lot of respect for the European players. And and I do know, like I say, that Olfen Anders took an absolute beating when they got to the National Hockey League in 1978. And Borea, to me, I grew up, you know, in northeastern Ontario, northeastern Toronto. I grew up as a Leaf fan and and then was getting a little bit older, became a Bruins fan. But I always really loved watching Borea Salming play because he – he just, he seemed, first of all, he seemed to be bulletproof with what he was taking, but he was just a great player. He was long and lean and and he didn't say a whole lot, but his game spoke uh, eloquently for uh, who he was become. 1,100 and some odd games he would end up playing. And I just think that, you know, the league was much better off for opening its doors and opening its eyes to bring the world into the league. You know, I, I think 72 <clears throat> showed that um you know maybe maybe we canadians didn't own the whole world of hockey and uh eventually guys like salming had to blaze the trail for two great teammates of mine so he was a wonderful player i, I never had the pleasure of, of meeting him uh although uh nick lidstrom claims that that's who he wanted to model his game after and that Boy, that sure worked, didn't it? So I just think those those trailblazers have to be acknowledged uh, for what they do for opening eyes. And not only was he a trailblazer, he was a hell of a, a, hell of a player and by all accounts a better human being. So it's sad to go. And, you know, when you think of the year, we've lost Clark Gillies. We've lost uh, Guy Lafleur. Uh, we lost uh, Mike Bossy. You know, those are guys in my wheelhouse. You know, holy smokes. And I guess that's the next uh, – Thing that we'll be paying attention to. So they're going to put together a pretty good starting lineup up there, and Salming's going to join them. Dave, I appreciate your perspective there. And you mentioned Hedberg and Nielsen that, that you played with, and you mentioned that mm-hmm. you know the abuse they had to take and that Salming would have had mm-hmm. to take as the first kind of wave of players coming over from sure. a foreign country and there wasn't much you know overlap in the hockey world. From what you right. saw in Hedberg and Nielsen, you know, how did they handle it? Did, did, did you guys as teammates try to defend them? Were they kind of like, look, guys, we, we got to learn to look after. Like, I'm just wondering how that dynamic sort of played yeah, out. No, 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 it, it wasn't anything verbal. I mean, we fortunately, when Anderson all showed up, we ended up going to the Stanley Cup finals the first year. And so it was, and I befriended them right away. I just, I've, I've, I don't know. I hope this, I hope it sounds for what it means to sound out there is that I, I don't think I've ever met a bad Swedish guy. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're wonderfully competitive. They're um, smart. Uh, they play the game the right way and they compete. And I don't remember it being a conscious effort. If really it's that long ago, Reed, that I, I, I think, I don't know that they wanted anybody to protect them. I, 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 but I'm, I'm certainly saying that I may be speaking words that they would have denied. Now, Alfie was a little, he, you know, he had a little more room because he was in the middle of the ice. And Anders, you know, again, in those days, it was such a linear game. He just basically went up and down. Now, we had a little more movement with Herbie and stuff. But um, they just, I just had so much respect uh, for them because I think in a lot of ways they wanted to prove that they could play in the greatest league in the world, and they certainly did that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Dave Maloney yeah, joining no us quite. tonight uh, on Inside Sports. Oilers and Rangers tomorrow. I, I got to start here with the New York Rangers. What's up with the Ryan Reeves trade? I mean, this guy's always popular and <laughs> seemingly effective wherever he goes. How come the Rangers decided, okay, we're, we're shipping you off for a draft pick here? Well, the, in this day and age of cap world and the business side of it, uh, and I'm certainly not privy to, you know, the ultimate decision making, but from an outsider, I think it's generally acknowledged that the Rangers uh, had to, you know, cumulatively come trade deadline, figure out a way to, to increase their cap. And I don't know whether that read goes back to last season when it came to the trade deadline and they made uh, four perfect acquisitions. You know, the franchise was heading in the right direction. This time a year ago, Shesterkin was all world. Um, and the team gradually got better, and they got better. And then you, we got into the trade deadline and, and picked up Kopp and Vitrano and, and Mott and, um, and Braun and the blue line, and they were perfect fits, absolute perfect fits for a team that likes to kind of zip it around um, and sometimes maybe doesn't buy into what the price you've got to play to pay to really make it work. Uh, so maybe that's into the thought that they want to have a little more cap space available come trade deadline time or something that may, they might have to tweak here and there. Um, but besides that, I, I, again, and then Kratsov comes back from uh, Russia um, and Gauthier, um, you know, he's proving he's a National Hockey League player in his role. So there's only so much, there's only so many roles and there's only so much money. And it really comes down to it. And I do think they'll miss him over the course of 82 games. You know, a player like that, uh, come playoff time, it takes a little, a little different dimension. But boy, oh boy, you need, you need some of what Ryan uh, brought to get you there. And but it's just, to me, it's just at the end of the day, it's all, you know, it's nickels and dimes. And over the course of the season, I guess the capital world, those nickels and dimes do add up. Yeah, interesting one for sure. Um, because you know, mm-hmm. I, I was just talking in the first half hour of the show. The Oilers are kind of wearing the label that they're not quite hard enough to to play against, and and Ryan Reeves makes any team he's on uh, hard to play against, even if he's just sitting on the bench because uh, <laughs> he's in the back yeah. of the ride probably if you're on the other team. Well, particularly you know what, Reed, if you look at it, where that really becomes a factor, I think, is the makeup of your top players. Do your top players play with a, like, to me, Sid would chew your arm off to, to do what he had to do. You know, Bergeron. Like, I, I think you can look at the, the teams, what type of makeup when it comes in. You know, I'm very proud to be a Canadian, and maybe it's too much Canadian. But I just think at the end of the day, Ryan Reeves is going to get nine minutes a night, ten minutes a night. And does he make everybody an inch or two taller and heavier? Yeah, probably. But at the end of the day, I, I do believe if your top guys don't have the bite, um, I don't care who you have in the heavyweight world, um, you're not going to be the same team. That being said, I think over the course of 82 games, you do need to have that kind of guy that just keeps everybody a little bit honest. You know, whether right. he's going to. Because, he sure, you know, I, I think he only had, he had one fight this year. In, maybe two last year so yeah so anyway but we'll see what happens okay uh, sorry for jumping in on you there uh I, right, right. I, like the the Oilers are sitting here with 10 wins in 20 games mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. the Rangers have 10 wins in 21 games. They got a better record because mm-hmm. they've got some games into into overtime. Um, mm-hmm. And I was looking at the Rangers game by game, like mm-hmm. not really a long winning streak, not really a long losing okay. streak. They're a little back and forth, kind of like the Oilers have been lately. I, I know their record is a little bit better. Like how mm-hmm. how are the Rangers and are they – because I, I would say the Oilers are not living up to expectations after going to the Final Four last season. Does that apply to New York at all? Uh, well, if you're using that as as your your baseline um, when you create expectations, I thought you know coming into the season, one of the things the team, the franchise is going to have to do is manage those expectations because they're not the same team. They weren't the same team breaking camp that they were finishing against Tampa, so that's going to take some take some take some doing. You know, if you get twenty to twenty five percent roster turnover every year, unless you're winning um, due to cap, it's going to take some time to figure it out. Then, when you have the expectations that you had from the previous spring, it just takes it takes some time. Now, from a Rangers standpoint, I can't speak to uh, Edmonton's. From a Rangers standpoint. Um, Shesterkin, you know, it's, it's funny you say you look at hits and starts. There's 60 minutes of hockey over the first 20 games represents their record. You know, they'll have a spectacular first period, uh, then an equally poor second period, get it down to crunch time, um, and then either find a way to win or, or, or not. And get it. It's just the consistency. Their consistency has probably been their inconsistency. And over the 20 games, but the and, and to me the expectations, while they're obvious, this team was not the same team when they started the season that they finished, and it's taken some time. I I do think they are trending better, uh, but it'll be a test tomorrow. Then they've got the Devils on Monday, and the other thing, Reed, that I've noticed is the margin for error in the league continues to get smaller and smaller. You know, those, every team's top five or six players, if you give them an opportunity and allow them to hang around a long time, they're, they're, every team has players that can make a play. And, and if you let a team that's supposed to be in the rearview mirror hang around, uh, you, you run the risk that they're going to have a top player that can make a play or a goaltender that's going to make a save. I just think the league is that close. I, I read uh, Sid's comments a couple weeks ago, and – I think, you know, it's just that close now. On any given night, anybody, I know everybody, you know, you say that every night, you got to show up and play. Um, and I think that's true. I really do think that's true. So who knows? But that should make it exciting, right? You know, you got to come and play every night. So it should be good for guys like us. Yeah, well, no, I, I hear what you're saying, and I and I agree with you. You see so much skill and, you know, goaltenders. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eric, Eric Comrie, who's kind of in a career backup, stole a game uh, for Buffalo and Edmonton back in, what, the second week of the season. So, And then, obviously, Sorokin did what he did to the Oilers the other night. So I, I know exactly what you're saying. Okay, Dave, I'm going to ask you one more, and I, I just came up with this yeah. question while you were talking because you said something interesting. Mm-hmm. You said you need your top players to have a lot of bite from your playing mm-hmm. days, which star player who put up a lot of points and had a lot of skill had the most bite. You know what I mean? Maybe he's not known for that, but a guy who scored a lot, but do you want to tell us this guy was kind of mean too? That's a really good question. Uh, having only gone to the finals once and never won, um, uh, 
maybe we didn't ever have that guy. <laughs> or a guy you played against. Or, or a guy you played against, yeah. Uh, honestly, a guy who played against, Brian Trotsky. Right. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he was, I'm telling you, he would do, he would do whatever it took. Now, he, he wasn't, you know, flamboyant or that wasn't his game by any stretch of the imagination. But you paid the price when you played him. And, and you know, he was certainly surrounded by other Hall of Famers. But Brian Trottier, to me, was that guy. That, um, boy, oh, boy, when it was on the line, he would, I'm telling you, that's to me, and chew your arm off to make a play. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised you, you mentioned. I'll, I'll have to ask uh, uh, Rob Brown about him because Brownie would have uh, seen him. Yeah, you know, he Brownie yeah. started a couple years after you did, and the, I think they were teammates for a little while too. So hey, yeah, cool. hey. Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. no, he was. Yeah, so it's all good. But that, that's the thing. Like, if there was every top play, like Mass, how about Massier? <laughs> you think he didn't wouldn't do whatever it took? Yeah. You, know, you know, there's just Gordy Howe. You know, there's there's a ton of them out there. But uh, if there was everybody like that, then we'd all be like that, and that wouldn't be any fun either. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, <laughs> uh, Dave, this is so, always a pleasure. I'd, I'd always appreciate, yeah. uh, you know, that you make time for us. I know it's a little bit later out east yeah. there. But uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Hopefully it's an entertaining team. These teams have had some good ones over the years, so hopefully it's an entertaining one. Yeah. They will do as long as as long as McDavid doesn't make another world class highlight reel against us, uh, we'll be fine. <laughs> right on. That is Dave Maloney. Great. All right. Good stuff, Reed. Thanks, man. That is Dave Maloney checking in from the MSG Radio Network, uh, former New York Ranger and now a broadcaster with the team. Uh, always uh, some good perspective. What did he just say about the Rangers? Their inconsistency has been their most consistent characteristic. Maybe you can say that about the Oilers as well as they play tomorrow morning here on 630 Chet. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chad. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Dave Maloney, always a fun chat with him. Oilers and Rangers tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. for the face-off show. The puck will drop at 11 here on 6.30. Chad Cam Moon and Bob Stoffer will uh, have the call as uh, the Oilers try to snap a two-game losing streak. They've been kind of well, they've won five in a row, then they lost three in a row, and then they'd been alternating wins and losses for, uh, what, eight games until they lost this last one. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if they can get it going. Talking to Dave Maloney, Rangers trying to, to pick it up a little bit as well. Uh, I think for them, Shesterkin's been very good. Their backup goalie, uh, Yaro Halak, has not been as strong. Uh, I believe from uh, today, Jack Campbell looks like he's going to be the starter tomorrow for the Oilers, but uh, we'll see once they hit the ice uh, for the warm-up. 780-496-0063 if you want to check in tonight. Uh, Jay Woodcroft, after the Oilers practice today, was asked what he learned from that loss to the Islanders the other night. After the game, I thought we played a hard game and um, 
poured a large number of shots and created opportunities, uh, but were unable to crack a goaltender. And we made a few costly errors there in the second period that uh, ended up in the back of our net. And uh, but in terms of the compete, the try um, can't can't fault it in any way. Uh, but it's the execution on a few things that we can certainly clean up. I think for that loss to the Islanders, uh, you know. I mean, look, the Oilers got 49 shots. It was it was 49 right after the game. They updated it to 50. Now it's back to 49. They had a ton of shots. Um, it, it's it, And, if you know, we often talk about mistakes. The Islanders made a ton of mistakes in that game, and the Oilers had a ton of pressure. But I think the Oilers made a couple big mistakes at, at bad times, and that shorthanded goal that got them in the one nothing hole was a perfect example. I thought Rob Brown did a great job breaking it down after the game. It's, it's a two-on-three. Uh, Parisi isn't the, you know pressured enough down the left side. Uh, Barry is is checking Peugeot, but it doesn't tie up his stick. McDavid is checking Peugeot, but then leaves him once he gets to the hash marks. And then he's able to hack it in past Jack Campbell, and uh, and that uh, puts them down. And then as the Oilers often are, they are playing from behind. And then Peugeot got the power play goal shortly after that. So, uh, I mean, you, you can you can see where the Oilers game needs to get to. It's not like it's a million miles away. It's kind of there on the horizon. And you keep driving towards it and driving towards it, but you, you can't quite get there. But uh, opportunity tomorrow against the Rangers. Philip Roberg called up into the lineup. Marcus Niemelainen has been sent down. So that's a big storyline there. All right. So look, the, the Grey Cup on Sunday had an epic finish. Just a crazy story-riddled fourth quarter. What was it like being in that game? What's it like standing on the sidelines? as the opponent is going to kick a field goal to take the lead in the final minute. Justin Lawrence will tell all.